Good morning. Wonderful to see you here this morning. It's uh, great to come and worship each time we come. And uh, thank you, team. We've been looking at a series, God at Work, Rest and Play. And over the last few weeks, we've looked at a number of themes. And uh, most of them have been focusing on work. The origin of work, the trappings of work, working with Jesus and work in the will of God. Over four messages already, we've really focused in that place. But today is a different day, and we skip to the rest portion of our series. And so as a working example, I thought I'd just let you go home and have a rest. (laughs) You're not meant to cheer. (laughs) That was a test. (laughs) No, no, no. No, I'm kidding. My prayer and hope is that your time here is a rest. And it's something that, that gives you all that you need for the week to come. We're going to be looking at this idea this morning of a rhythm of rest. Because the truth is, the bind or the place we find ourselves is we live in a world that's very fast paced. The problem of pace, as you could call it. And I love this little comic. It's in your uh, bulletin too, but the words are a little small lady lying down on a couch with a counsellor or psychologist saying these words. Actually, I only come here to lie down. I can't get any rest at home. (laughs) I wonder if that's what your life is like. That the escapes are few. That in the midst of all that you do, there's something bearing down on you constantly and that it's almost like an escape to find rest. We live in a very fast-paced world and in a very unique season of history where life is far more complex than ever. And we also have far more opportunity than ever. This makes for a busy world in which to live. We have unique opportunities like at no other time in history. Think how easy it is to travel these days and how cost-effective and how affordable it is. You can buy a ticket and fly anywhere in the world. And for most of us, we have that opportunity. It's, it's within our grasp to save up a little bit, to get on a plane and to go on the other side of the world or to go on a, a tour of the world. <laughs> Some people have returned from travel. Good to have you back. <laughs> Some of our other people are about to leave on travel. Avoid Milan. Enjoy your travel. <laughs> we have this opportunity to save up and to go. The world is at our front door. Also think about the opportunities we have in regards to communication. There used to be a day that if people were to contact you, they would have either had to turn up on your front door or ring you on a telephone that had a dial or buttons, okay? It was connected to a line that was connected to a switchboard that would then connect to someone else's phone. And if you weren't going to use either one of those two things, well, you couldn't get onto them. And humankind could actually say, you know what, I'm hiding away from the world today, I'm locking the front door, if someone knocks, I'm not here, and if someone rings that phone, I'm not answering. You you could hide away. But today, think about the tools we have, which which are wonderful in one degree, and we can message people across the world right now if you wanted to, and if you had your phone in your hand, you could open up a little app and you could write a little message to someone on the other side of the world, and they would get that message right now. No longer snail mail, no. They will get it in an instant, 
and they can reply in an instant. We can do that, it's at our fingertips. There's the possibility and the expectation of instant reply. I'm not sure if you love that or hate it. But because of this, the moment you get a message, you know, the person on the other end is like, come on, come on, give me the answer, give me the answer. <laughs> There's this expectation to reply really quickly. We also know worldwide events in real time these days. And we know all of the world's events in real time. And so we're constantly being bombarded with bad news. Because let's be honest, the news we see is generally bad. That's what sells. And so we're constantly bombarded with all the horrific atrocities of the world all at once. And I'm not sure if you get those into your phone. I don't. But you can even have that. And so you're getting messages from people all over the world, the world news, constantly at every single moment. And it makes for a busy lifestyle. We're bombarded constantly. And then we have opportunities for leisure, like the amount of things we can do constantly, redballoon.com. You can get on there and be involved in all of these fun activities. If anything, our lives can't contain the opportunities that are there. Then there's education opportunities to go to school, to TAFE, to uni, to travel the world and study. Then there's opportunities at church. It's a whole new layer. Volunteer, get involved at church or volunteer and get involved in your local community. And then we find that our world is also more complex. The processes in our world are far more complex. More red tape than ever before, have you noticed? (laughs) Then we have privileges that create more complexity like vehicles, which are wonderful. You get in it, you drive, you go somewhere, but they break down. They need to be insured. They need to be serviced. We also have things to think of like insurance, superannuation, savings, investment, bank accounts, taxes, and the online world. We're currently trying to transfer here at Roval Baptist Church to the NBN. Anybody done that so far? Yeah? It just makes you want to... Yeah? On the phone with Telstra, different person every time, retelling your story time and time again. Sorry, that's me just letting that out. (laughs) So these opportunities and these complexities make for a very busy world. You know, it wasn't long ago that futurists, people looking into the future, were predicting that one of the main challenges for coming generations would be too much spare time. In 1967, for example, testimony before a Senate subcommittee claimed that by 1985, the average work week would be just 22 hours. I'm not sure. Is anyone, is anyone living in that world? No. I can remember the, the, the cartoon or the, the comic of the Jetsons. Do you remember that? This futuristic tale of a family that had robots to do their, their everything. You know, they cook for them and clean for them. And the Jetsons were just freed up and able to live life, sitting on a couch, enjoying, because everything else was done for them. So it was thought at one time that technology would make life less busy. Has it? No. All technology has done is raised expectations. Now you can do more with your day. 
Now you can get more done, you can be more productive, and that's great if it works. And sometimes, sometimes, (laughs) it's proven and it will fail. And so we carry the expectation now and the reality that things break down and it creates stress, anxiety. Are you feeling it? (laughs) Have I helped you into that place? I'm sorry, I hope you won't finish in this way. This does not even factor in the other essentials of life like cooking, cleaning, family, relationships. The truth is we are far too busy and we all know it. It affects all of us. I can remember going away on a a, a spiritual retreat with some pastors. Um, It was something I used to do regularly as a youth pastor. The BUV would put on these weekends or nights. We would go and we would have a a retreat to, to rest and we would go and a big part of that time we were given permission to just go and sit and read the bible because you think pastors did that a lot but they're so busy often they don't get to do that for themselves and so this opportunity was given just to go and to read the word and to sit and to rest in god and i remember this time going and i had all these plans lord i'm going to hear from you <laughs> productive mind yeah i'm, I'm going to get hear from you i'm going to you're going to you're going to show me some things i'm going to use this time it's going to be it's going to be great and i remember going and sitting out on a on a beach i sat down in a it was a really wet and cold windy day i found this little corner sheltered from the wind had my jacket on and my bible i sat there thought okay great time with the lord and within five minutes i was asleep passed out about an hour later i woke up and I'm, I can remember thinking, oh no, I haven't been productive with my rest in the Lord. You know, that was what my mind said. But God put something on, me heart, on my heart that day. God simply said, you know what, Wally, you are very tired. Yes, you're working for me, you work for your family, you're serving people, but you need to slow down and rest. And today I want to share that message with you. Today God is saying this. He wants you to do less. Not sure sometimes you come and we preach, we talk about things here week by week and you can go feeling more burdened than when you came. You come feeling like, oh, that's another thing I'm not doing well. Oh, that's another thing I need to add to my list today. I want to come and simply say this. God wants you to have time and to make space to rest as i say that i even pray that a subtle peace starts to enter your soul a burden starts to lift as you can know and be encouraged that we all just need some rest and we need it because when we are busy we do more we sleep less When we're busy, we find ourselves tired and we find ourselves more impatient with family and friends. How often do we snap because we're tired? We're more likely to speak harshly and be unkind. And just on a practical note, our physical beings are more connected to our spiritual beings than we realise. When we are tired, we are more prone to be doubtful of who God is. We are more prone to be anxious We're more susceptible to things like temptation. 
We're more likely to be selfish and think of ourselves more than others. We are not at our best when we are tired. We are not at our best when we are busy. We don't do life well in this place. We need to slow down. We need to rest. And we learn this truth that you are wired with the need for a rhythm of rest. A rhythm of rest. I love that phrase. And right from the beginning, if we open this up, when we see God at work in Genesis, he creates the world. And we spoke about this in one of our previous uh, messages, that, that work came from God himself. He was the creator. And so work is good. But after six days of working, what did God do? He rested. He ceased his work and he paused and he looked at his creation and he said, look, it is good. Before toil, before sin entered the world, before labor, God himself rested in Genesis 2-3. And the seven-day week was born. Our week is named after, is patterned after those seven days of creation. And it is a rhythm that is woven into our very beings. As we are created in his image, so we too are wired to rest. It shouldn't surprise us then that as you were created in his image, you were also designed to need rest. It is part of your DNA. It is part of your very being. And very early on, God commanded his people to rest. It's interesting, God commends work, but he commands rest. I found that very interesting. In Exodus 28, it's part of the Ten Commandments, some of the most famous of the Old Testament commandments. The fourth one is the Sabbath day, the Saturday, the seventh day is holy, so keep it unto the Lord. Stop your work. It was decreed that the whole nation would stop on this day and rest and come and worship God. No work was, was, was allowed. Servants weren't allowed to work. Even the animals had to rest and even the fields were rested on the seventh day. And so important was it that those who were to transgress this law, there was the possibility of death being brought upon them to not keep this rest. That shows the seriousness of it in the, in the Old Testament. Such was the command. And so we often think of work as the far more honourable, but both have their place, work and rest. Hard work isn't the problem. The fact is, is that we still need to take time to rest. The trick, see, is not not working. It's finding a balance of both. The rhythm of rest, working and resting, working and resting. And the Israelites, if we look at their lives, they had rhythm. God's chosen people, he had daily, weekly, monthly and yearly rhythms. There were times when they were ordered to stop. There were times that they were ordered to celebrate. There were times they were ordered to fast. Times to camp out, quite literally. There were times to pause and to remember. They had some strict rhythms that enabled them to rest. And so I believe in our daily lives... We struggle because we often have no routines and no rhythm of rest in our lives. Our days are a melding of everything. 
a melting pot. We, do a, we have a little bit of rest here, a little bit of work here. And what I mean is technology is a good example. It's very rare that we are completely turned off. Even when we're at home, our phone is there, isn't it? You might be at home having a rest, watching the television, and at the same time, your phone's going, bing, bing, bing. So you're sitting there, you're watching TV, and you're doing this, uh uh-huh. And then your partner or your family, you know, relationship, they're trying to talk to you, catch up on the week, and so you're trying to watch, you're going, "Uh uh-huh, uh-huh, and and that's when you do really silly things like send messages to the wrong people. Have you done that before? Yeah, you're thinking their name and it goes to them. Oh, no, I should have spoke kindly of them. (laughs) And then at the same time, bing, bing, the news is coming from the screen, it's from our phone, and we call that rest. I saw an interesting documentary. And what they did was this. Unbeknownst to the, the person and, uh, who was running this, this, this documentary, uh, some people took this, this individual with their mobile phone and they set them up with another person on a computer to do a task. The task doesn't matter. They were just doing a task. And they had the person's phone and they set it beside them. Just, just, just beside them there. They wired them up. Okay, so they had wires to their brain. And, and, and to be able to measure uh, sort of the, 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 the adrenaline and so forth in the body. And what they discovered was this. While the person was sitting there and they thought they were there to do the task with this person on the computer, while they were doing that, they constantly messaged the person's phone. And they had been instructed, you're not allowed to pick up your phone. And you know what happened when they looked back over the tests? Every time the phone pinged, now remember, the person who has the phone, they don't know what the message is or why it's pinging. Every single time that little phone went ping, anxiety levels spiked through the roof. Anxiety was peak. every And the person didn't know it and they looked back over the results and they were absolutely surprised. And we know that to be true because if you're sitting here right now, your phone may have already pinged in your pocket. And you're wondering, I wonder who messaged me. I wonder who that was. I wonder if it's an emergency, because that's what we do, don't we? The message goes off, and we straight away think it must be an emergency. We, we automatically do that. Just that little ping sends us into anxiety. We need times when we need to turn completely off. I saw this documentary just before we had a leader's retreat last year, and so at the leader's retreat, I stole everybody's phones. <laughs> I acted all teacher-like, and before they went out for a couple of hours to just sit and rest, and I believe some of them fell asleep too, I won't say whom, (laughs) I took their phones off them so that they could turn completely off. I wonder if you have times in your life where you can just turn off that phone. (laughs) For some of you, like, what, will my heart stop? (laughs) It's like, really? No, really. (laughs) Completely off. Even television has been proven not to rest our heart, mind and soul. It actually activates our mind in a way that bypasses some of our filters. And so we sit there, we think we're resting, but it it doesn't actually rest us at all. Do you have times where you can just come home and turn everything off? I want to do something. All right, I've been waiting to do this for a while, actually. I can get a ladder. (laughs) 
I know on a series on rest, this looks like a lot of hard work, but please bear with me. Here's Barry the bowling ball. Anyone remember Barry the bowling ball? He made an appearance a few years back on a series on faith. Different illustration today. I'm not going to ask anybody to get up like Pedro did and and release a bowling ball at his head. I like to call him Barry. He looks a bit afraid, doesn't he? As an illustration for rest, I didn't come up with this. It's something that I read, but I thought it's brilliant. The pendulum is a wonderful example of rhythm. Now, I have tested this. (laughs) There it goes. That's a pendulum. Look at it for a moment. And try to imagine what I'm trying to make up on this one. Do you think you might be where I'm at? (laughs) The law of the pendulum says this, that before that ball returns, there's a moment of rest before it returns. It never stops. There's a beautiful rhythm that you're seeing right now before your very eyes of work. And although it might seem brief, that tiny little moment that's needed for it to return (laughs) is necessary for it to continue on this rhythm. So, if you're looking for an illustration in your life, here's one right here. Does your life have regular seasons of rest and work? Rest and work. I guess when we get to this plot place, I wonder what that is. Heaven, maybe? (laughs) Eternal rest? (laughs) Complete peace? Who knows? Reading into that one a little. I want to leave Barry there. He looks a bit afraid, doesn't he? He's a bit spooked. (laughs) He's coming back. (laughs) You're not going to be able to concentrate now, are you? I hope you remember Barry, the bowling ball. Our wonderful pendulum... (laughs) And that it will be an inspiration for you to find rhythm in your own life. The reality too is that resting is hard work. It's hard to trust God and to stop, isn't it? Because so much rests on our shoulders, I have to get it done. So it can be hard work to stop and to trust God. It can be hard time to take time for breaks. It can be hard to schedule holidays and time with family and friends. It takes planning and commitment. We need to plan rhythms of work and of rest. We need to make it a priority, not an option. And this is where this series comes in. Rest is a spiritual discipline, as much as praying, as much as fasting, as much as serving. Resting is a discipleship matter. It's a part of us just resting in God and trusting in him. And you say, but Wally, I don't have the time. When will I find the time to rest? And I'd say this, that time is not found, it is spent. We're all given an amount and we spend our resource of time on the things that matter. 
And so is rest important? (laughs) Yes. We need to find time to rest. And rest is for your benefit. And I, I say this because I believe that unless we're fully convinced that this is for our good, we will find this hard. In the Old Testament, the practice of resting was written into the law of Moses. God's people met on the Sabbath religiously, on the seventh day, on the Saturday. It was written into the very law, but people lost sight of what it was for. And with the death and resurrection of Jesus, we see the early Christians began meeting on the Sunday to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. In the death and resurrection of Jesus, the temple, the Old Testament, all its laws, as a law, was completely fulfilled. There wasn't and still isn't the need to hold to this religious practice. However, the principle still remains because there was a principle behind the law. And that principle is what matters. Jesus highlights this in Mark 2.27 when he and his disciples were walking and they were accused of working on the Sabbath day on a Saturday because they were threshing wheat in their fingers. And they're accused of this. And Jesus turns and says the Sabbath was made for mankind, not just for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man, meaning this. The whole idea of a day of rest was for our good. We don't observe it just for the sake of it or to please God in some way. No, God wired this into our DNA because we need it. And so the Sabbath or the rest, a day of rest, is actually a gift. It's an island getaway from all the other busyness of life. And when we look even closer in the Old Testament, we see that this was even written into the law. In Exodus 23.12, it says, You must rest your slave and your oxen so that they may be refreshed. There was a principle there of being refreshed on this day. And I heard it said that in the Old Testament, people were killed if they didn't take the Sabbath. But these days, we don't take the Sabbath and we kill ourselves. (laughs) The Sabbath, the idea of the Sabbath rest, is for us. So we don't keep it religiously anymore. Some groups still meet on the Saturday. They believe that's still important. But as we look in the New Testament, the trends very clearly show that The day we meet isn't as important as the principle of rest. One day out of seven to rest, to cease and to be still. I read a story of two axemen. One man challenged the other to an all-day woodchopping contest. One challenger worked very hard and he didn't stop all day. He didn't even stop for lunch. And in his mind he was thinking, I've got this. Because every time he looked over, it looked like the other contestant was just sitting there eating and slacking off. At the end of the day, however, the challenger was surprised and actually very annoyed to find that the other gentleman had chopped more wood than him. I don't get it, he said. Every time I checked, you were taking a rest, yet you chopped more wood than I did. But you didn't notice, said the winning woodsman, that when I sat down to rest... I was sharpening my axe. That's good, isn't it? You see, rest sharpens us. I'm not saying go chop wood. Please don't go home and chop wood. 
saying you need to rest. It's in the resting that we're, we're, we're sharpened, we're refreshed for what life will throw at us. You see, rest enables us to be restored at every level. Mind, body, soul. Like it's a, a common phrase these days to talk about the, the wholeness of an individual, our mind, our bodies, our souls, the, the complete person. And just on a practical level, the whole part of us is restored when we rest. I discovered as a, as a father that children sleep a lot. A lot. <laughs> when they're young, they, they literally eat for 30 minutes to 45 minutes. They might then have 30 minutes to 40 minutes of play. And then they sleep for a few hours, couple, two to three, <laughs> God willing. <laughs> and then it's done again. And you think that God would have wired it in so they don't do this at night time. But no, they do it all through the night. <laughs> they get up every few hours. They sleep a lot. And I didn't know why. But I discovered this, that when we rest, when we sleep, when we're at peace, our body and our cells grow and repair. You see, it's when a baby sleeps that it grows. The cells in the body multiply and repair, grow, multiply as it sleeps. And so it is with us as we rest, if we have good sleeping habits, that is the time when physically our body is able to rest and repair. Now, we know this because of science. This is quite practical. But isn't that amazing? That as we rest, even our bodies are able to be restored and to repair. And our mind, it's when we rest that we're able to reflect and to dream. It's interesting that on the seventh day, what did God do? He went and had a jacuzzi? No, no. <laughs> he looked back on his creation. He reflected on all that he had done and he said, isn't it good? Look at that. Isn't it amazing? So often we live our lives at such, at such a fast pace that we don't have times to just stop and to reflect on our lives, to reflect on where we are, reflect on our relationship with God. Maybe that's the point. Maybe we find it hard to rest because we don't want to be confronted with the truth of who we are or the truth of the life that we live. So we go on, we push on, we push through, we just keep going. But when we pause, we have the opportunity to reflect on our lives. Also learn, um, I've grown up in, a, in an era, just after it was discovered in, the, in Baptist ministry, uh, that Baptist pastors two decades ago were, were some of the pastors who had the highest burnout rates. And so the Baptist Union and the ordination stream, when I came along, had already put in you know, some training for pastors to help them put in good patterns to enable them not to burn out. And so I, I've, I've learned about this for a long time. And one thing that I discovered and have tried to practice ever since is the three-week holiday. I'm not sure if you've ever had a chance to take three weeks off. If you haven't, do it. Because what they've discovered is, is this, just, just as practically, in the first week, your body crashes. You just... <laughs> and I'm not sure if you've ever taken a week off and you get sick and you spend all of it in bed. Yeah? It's because your body needs rest. It needs to repair from you running so hard. So if you take a week off, you crash and you tend to you know, just not enjoy it that much because you're exhausted. They find that it's in the second week that our mind starts 
to rest. We start reflecting a little bit more. And then it's in the third week that our dreaming and our visions, the deep parts of our soul, start to come back alive. And I've tried this and I can, I can attest to it. It's in that third week that I find the first week, I'm like, I have all these plans. I've got ten books I'm going to read on my holidays. First week, I can't even look at a book. You know. Second week, oh, I'm sort of feeling a bit more, a bit more. It's the third week that energy starts to come back and I'm starting to dream again. I'm still going to have vision again for, for my own life, for our, our family, for, for the church. There's something important about taking these times to rest. And our soul, when we rest, our soul is able to relate in a way like never before. We're deeply relational beings and so it's when we rest that we spend time with the people we truly care about. Think about it. Your free time, you spend it with those who you really love. Your family, your friends, those who are really important to you. That's not saying people at work aren't important, but come on, let's be honest. Deep down, we really know why we're there. (laughs) Relationships do form out of that and can come to that deep place and sometimes transition into that space of real deep relationships. But it's in this place where we relate with people in a very different way. Our souls were made to relate with people, but most of all, with God. Rest enables us to connect with him. Because rest in Jesus is deeply relational. The soul finds its rest in Jesus Christ. We stop, we wait and we rest in him. And I love the invitations of Jesus. Jesus said this in Matthew eleven twenty-eight to 30. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you, because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I wonder if you come here today feeling a little bit stressed, a little bit anxious. Jesus invites you to come to him. Yes, you will find rest in holidays and Sabbath. Yes, you will find rest for your mind. But the deepest part of our being longs to rest. And we find that in Jesus. Love Philippians 4, 6-7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Anyone like a little bit of peace this morning? What do you need? A little bit of rest in your souls, in the busyness of your life? Come to Jesus. Rest from your worries. Find rest for your soul. Hebrews 4, 9 to 11, something you might like to read this week at home, speaks of a promised rest for God's people greater than the Sabbath day rest, a rest that we only find in Jesus Christ. Only in Jesus Christ. So today as we come to the table, 
my invitation is simply to hear the words of Jesus. (laughs) Come to me, all of you who are weary. I will give you rest. Jesus will take our burdens. Invite us. Give, Give it to me. Give me your burden. Give me your troubles. Give me your anxieties. Whatever it is that you carry, I want to give you rest from those things. Give them to me. Similar to Isaiah 53, where we read that he, being a prophetic voice about Jesus Christ, was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray, straight away. We have left God's path to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. Laid on him the sins of us all. Just as Jesus says, come to me, bring your burdens, bring your brokenness, bring whatever it is. I can bear it. And we know that he did. We know that he went to a cross and he died to bring us freedom, to restore us to him so that we would know true rest in him. So this morning, as we take the cup and as we take the bread, I pray that you might hear that invitation that Jesus gives, come, come to me and find rest. Look what I did, says Jesus. Look look at the extent that I went to, to free you, to restore you. Come and eat it and find rest in me. So we're going to take the bread this morning. We're going to take this cup. And I pray that as we do this, that the Holy Spirit might just come and that his peace will come upon you. You might want to turn off your mobile phone just for a moment. I mean it. Turn them them off. Turn off. Look to Jesus where you'll find true rest. Father, I want to thank you for this bread. And you broke it with your disciples. You called them to remember the death that you would die on a cross for us. You took the blood, the cup, as a symbol of your blood. And you called us to remember it. To remember what you would do. So that we may be restored and find perfect rest in you. And so we come and we thank you. We want to give you thanks for who you are. Lord, I pray for every single person here this morning that they would would accept your invitation to come. Come to Jesus. Whatever it is you come here with today, bring it to him. Find rest in him. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you work in our midst. That you will be very real. And very present to us right now, I pray for your supernatural peace. A peace that goes beyond our comprehension, beyond our understanding. Come and work in us, we pray. Fill us with your peace. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'd like to ask the stewards to come forward, that would be great. I invite you to take the bread and to eat that in your own time, but to hold on to the cup, we're going to drink that together.